and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. Speaking of spiritually awakened, we're going to be talking about signs that you are indeed going through a spiritual awakening. Now, I think it's similar to kind of maturing from childhood to adolescence to adulthood in that a spiritual awakening can often be accompanied by growing pains and sadness, but also intense joy and newfound discoveries. So often when we are in a spiritual awakening, we find that we're finally able to put away labels or beliefs or ideas that have been programmed into us, and we can wake up to the truth of who we are and all we're capable of. Now, going through this, though, can be at the same time frightening and exhilarating, lonely and joyful. But how do you know if you're going through a spiritual awakening or you're just having a quarter life or a midlife crisis? So that's what we're going to discuss today is how to recognize that you're in a spiritual awakening and then what to do about it. Beautiful. And I think this is happening for a lot of people right now. But I think, too, is people are remembering who they really are. So it's still coming across as an awakening, but it's really just uh, like recalibrating to your truest self. Yes. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. And I think it creates a no turning back point in our lives too. I mean, once you've gone through awakening, there's really no way to return to the old you. It's like a butterfly trying to fit back into their cocoon and rejoin her little caterpillar friends. (laughs) You've got to just get to know your new wings and fly. So a lot of times they'll say one of the first signs of awakening is is just noticing it, noticing that you've been on autopilot, maybe not giving a whole lot of thought to who you are, what you want, why you're here. You might have questions start to pop up, like turning on a light in a dark room. And those kind of that, that catalyst for change, that the first step in growth is being aware that you want to change something. So Maybe noticing, am I self-medicating with, with alcohol or TV or, or, or something else? Am I numbing myself out? Why am I getting angry? Why am I always comparing myself to others? Why can't I get out of bed when my alarm goes off? Sometimes that can be that initial stage, just noticing and observing your patterns to say, huh, something's shifting here in my world. Yeah, that's very true. And sometimes those questions and that noticing can feel isolating Because our old beliefs, it's what we know and it comforts us. But soon you'll find if you sit with the questions long enough and lean into them, not really being so concerned with finding the answer, but more focusing on noticing and observing and just sitting with the questions, you'll start to see that the truth is much more comforting than the illusions you've been living with. Very, very well said. And I think once you do notice that, you start to have more of a a draw, a feeling, a sense of connection. You might want to find like-minded people. You might have a heightened awareness of, you know, nature or surrounding influences or, you know, your your perspective starts, starts to shift and there's a more interconnected feeling. Yeah, that's true. And you're starting to question, why am I here? What is my purpose? What is the work I came here to do? And so often people develop this hungry desire for a deeper understanding of who they are. And I kind of call this the unlabeling process where you're removing all the labels we tend to blanket ourselves in. So if you remove those labels, if you aren't a salesperson, a dad, a grandmother, a teacher, a volunteer, a sister, a brother, then who are you? I think during that spiritual awakening, when you're 
going through this unlabeling, you will find the courage to discover who you are without those labels. It's kind of like the solitary hero's journey that Joseph Campbell writes about. And the treasure you'll find at the end of that hero's journey is your sole purpose and your true self. Right. And, and it allows you to let go of that attachment to how you've defined yourself or how you have, it may be what you eat, where, what you eat, who you spend time with. But when we limit ourselves to those labels that we've had for so long, and when we're able to step away from that and break that attachment, it opens up to so much more and goes to a different layer. Everything becomes a little bit more transparent. Anytime we limit ourselves with those labels, once we step away from it, it's going to allow so much more to come in. Yeah. And and through that unlabeling process and that self-discovery, you might find that your friendships shift and change. And I think that's one of the hardest parts of going through a spiritual awakening because it can leave us feeling a little alone, a little unsure. Your friends might not understand this new you. They might question or challenge you. And I think it's important to remember that everyone has a right to their opinion. And when you defend your views, you're only contributing to this dualistic divide from which you're rising. So I would recommend that you listen to your friends and hear their concerns and meet them with compassion. Some of them will walk away, but many will stay. And you'll also start to meet new friends who are in alignment with your awakening consciousness. This spiritual awakening is to lead us closer to inner peace. And I think as you do release the labels, as you do feel more comfortable and confident with, with who you are, And you also become more independent through this process. Often when you're going through this awakening, you don't feel this need to fit in or belong as much. And for me, this wasn't like an overnight realization. It took time. So I would recommend people be gentle with themselves. But I started looking at that phrase fitting in as being trapped or boxed in. And I started to recognize that I was a free soul and I had the divine right to think, feel, and believe what I wanted. So you might find yourself moving away from groups or organizations that no longer really resonate with you. But again, the message here is patient because we've got to be patient with this new, our, this new you that's emerging, but we also have to be patient with the people around us who may not understand what's happening within us. Right. And that is huge, but I don't see this as an end result. I think, you know, you might start to become more, because spiritual waking will often be a, uh, help you increase your intuition. You're becoming more aware. I don't think it ever taps out and you find like, oh, now I'm awakened. That's all there is. I think it continues to, to build and grow and evolve the entire time we're here. Oh, I do too. And I don't think you have just one spiritual awakening in, in a lifetime. I think you have several. 100%. Can't you look back and think at different times in your life, like the little stepping stones and you thought you'd made this huge progress. And then when you look back at it, you realize, oh, that was just like a little baby step. Yes. Yes, totally. Totally. You can't really see it in the moment that you're going through it. But I do think it's helpful to recognize, oh, this is what that is Mm -hmm. and surrender to it. Right. So increasing intuition, having synchronicity can be and. That's another, it's kind of, don't you find synchronicity and intuition, they're almost like running on parallel paths because they, they kind of, um, the, the visual that I get, it's almost like they cross the path and then they're, 
you're you're on a path and it crosses. They they seem so interconnected to me. Oh, 100%. And once you surrender to the awakening, the synchronicities, they just amp up. When I was going through my first awakening, I got really into crystals and I kept going to this local store in town called Visions and Dreams and I would buy crystals and I I loved the owner. Her name was Annie and she was super helpful to me. And then I was at a crystal show and a woman came up to me and, and she said, your guides are telling me you're a healer. You need to get Reiki. And I didn't know what that was. And I searched everywhere in my town for a Reiki teacher online. Nothing came up. I searched. There's a big city two hours from me. Searched there. Could not find a Reiki teacher that had any classes coming up. So then I went four hours away to Charlotte. Searched nothing. I could not find a Reiki teacher. And I was like, what the heck? So I go into visions and dreams and Annie's there. And she's like, you looking for a new crystal? And I was like, I don't know what I'm looking for. I'm just going to kind of walk around. And she said, you seem a little down today. And I said, no, I'm not down. I'm just I'm just confused. I thought I had this like really cool mystical experience with this woman at the crystal show downtown. And she told me I needed to find a Reiki teacher. And now I can't find one. And she goes, Samantha, you're looking at one. <laughs> I said, no way. And she said, yeah, I have a class this weekend and I have one spot open. Wow. And I was like, Anna, you didn't advertise it anywhere. And she said, I never do. I like to keep it small. And I always tell my guides to send the right people to me at the right time. And boom, I was introduced to Reiki. So yeah, I do think that when you just surrender to the process, beautiful gifts of synchronicity happen. Yes. And this another this increase in compassion and empathy. And I think as, as empaths, we're feeling more where it's deeper. It's more where we're feeling the highs, we're feeling the lows, we're sucking everything up like a sponge. And that empathy can, can is our ability to, you know, tap into other people's feelings, but it's also that compassion that comes with it. And there's uh, according to Kristen Neff, uh, self-compassion researcher, self-compassion is the goal that comes with, or it's a byproduct of the spiritual awakening, is composed of three main components, self-kindness, a sense of common humanity, and mindfulness. And when you bring those three together, it really helps you step more fully onto your path towards a spiritual awakening. I agree, but I think it can also be hard because when my compassion and empathy really amped up and developed, I was able to see both sides of any situation so clearly that it made coming to decisions really difficult. I, I still have that. I know. <laughs> I mean, what, and what do you do in those situations? Because I can, I can always see both sides. And so I tend to just sit with that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> For some people that have a spiritual awakening, they realize the interconnectedness of all life and the continuity and that death isn't something to be feared. It's just another part of this experience. So that I think that's for people who have been on this journey a little bit longer, but then other times if someone has had a diagnosis or they've had uh, something that has catapulted them into a spiritual awakening, I do think removing that fear of death is often present. I do too. And I think that is such a gift when you see that it's just a graduation, it's not an ending. Mm -hmm. And it really does help deepen and um, develop not only your intuition, 
but your understanding of humanity and, and that global compassion. And you also might start to lose an interest in material things. Now, we all need to work, and most of us enjoy shopping for new, shiny, bright things. But as you go through your spiritual awakening, very often this becomes less and less important. Uh, some people call this the minimalist stage. So you might start to clear out your closets or donate old clothes and bikes and furniture. You start to see how little you really need in order to feel happy and present. And your goals might shift now from getting that new promotion or saving up for that big house to achieving inner joy or spending more time with loved ones and learning to live each day in gratitude and awareness. Which leads to more confidence and a, and a deeper sense of self-worth. So the authenticity, you're not having that need to conform to the cultural norms or all my neighbors bought this, I better buy this. It, it's... and. You know, when we think about some awakened people that might be considered influencers, Jay Shetty, Eckhart Tolle, they have these massive followings, but it's because they're being true. They're not using some magic algorithm to get the followers. They're being themselves and they're speaking their truth and they're standing in their authenticity. And I think as you embrace the spiritual awakening, you will find yourself becoming more and more authentic. Yeah, I agree. And again, though, this can be one of the hardest stages because at that point, you start to see the inauthenticity in others. And so that's where that feeling of total loneliness can often occur within that spiritual awakening. Just as you start to see the world is connected and whole and you feel this profound sense of joy that we are eternal beings, that our energy is linked within and to everyone around us and that we can co-create with the universe and you, you feel like this spiritual ecstasy, but then you'll also be hit with this powerful sense of loneliness and possibly even a sense of futility. It's really important to feel your way through this up and down period. Recognize that no emotion will last forever. Yes, you're saying goodbye to aspects of yourself that no longer serve you. It's kind of similar to the grief process. When you realize how most people no longer understand you or might not even support you in this awakening, you might feel isolated and think about going back to the old you. But the message here again is patience. Because once that butterfly emerges from the cocoon, she's not ready to fly. She's got to give her wings time to acclimate to this climate. So remind yourself during this stage, this too shall pass and soon you will be soaring. Oh, that's very, very nice. The more and more you embrace this, because I do think it's about embracing these tendencies in yourself of allowing, of learning, of going within, you start to flourish. And they've made comparisons with uh, people who are becoming more awakened and comfortable with that or becoming more spir spiritually aware with what, however they define that for themselves. It is very close to the positive psychology, like the theoretical model of happiness PERMA, which is positive emotions, engagement, relationships, meaning, and accomplishments, which are all strengths that can continue to develop when you're becoming more awakened. So they, they found connection between happiness and success across many life domains, marriage, friendship, income, work, is very much known in this flourishing process, which comes along with this awakening. Mm, yeah. Can you say some more about that? I think that's really important. Well, I think that the, the true point of this to me is a very personal 
experience, a spiritual awakening, but we're in a culture that is trying to, everybody wants to be woke. <laughs> and, and I'm saying that kind of tongue in cheek, and there's a lot of different ways you can go with that. But this is a really individual connection with spirit and divine. This is your own personal journey. And you can, we may have a commonality with what we're, the, the positive aspects of this, it, just because we're, we're a species, we're going to experience things on a similarity, but you're also going to have to do the work in your, the way that most resonates best for you. And I think that's the flourishing, that's the happiness, that's the joy. Yes. And it will involve change though. And that can be hard. You know, on our summer book read show, I mentioned my, one of my favorite professors, Dr. Moynihan. And after working with her and and really connecting to her story, I thought I had my whole path laid out before me and I knew exactly what I was going to do. I was going to get my master's in education and then I was going to teach high school and save up for my PhD in history. And then I was going to teach history at the college level. And it was just a shiny, happy path waiting for me to take each step. And when I was saving up for PhD, I was going back to school for my master's in history at night while I was working at the community college. And then this whole awakening happened. And I remember one day I was standing in Barnes and Noble and I was looking at the history section and all the new books that had come out. And Denise, I didn't want to read one of them. Wow. That's huge. It was so huge. And I remember standing there and it was like I was grieving the old me. And I just slowly walked back to the hidden occult section in the back of Barnes and Noble. (laughs) And all those books spoke to me. And I remember just feeling excited and terrified because there was no shiny, clear path for that route. There's no PhD in being psychic. There's no master's in empathy. And I didn't know what the future held for me. I only knew I had to follow my joy. And it, it made me excited and scared and, and afraid and hopeful. And that leads perfectly into this, this quote by Eckhart Tolle. And he says, you find peace not by rearranging the circumstances of your life, but by realizing who you are at the deepest level. And if any of this has resonated with, with people who are listening, now what's interesting is a lot of ways to practices or ways to encourage a spiritual awakening or become more uh, connected with it are so similar to the other practices that we've said for so many other things on these shows, you know, meditate, spend time outside, reconnect with, with nature, laugh, dance, raise your vibration, connect with your community, volunteer, practice gratitude. And one that we don't mention a lot is slow down really just slow down. And that the, I think the presence, being present right now is probably the most important things we can do for ourselves. Yeah, I could not agree more. And for me, that's a, that's a hard one. And I have to schedule it in. Like I have to almost, well, actually literally put alerts in my phone. <laughs> like take a break, pull out a book, read, sit in the sun, because we're always trained to go, go, go. Right. Now, a lot of what I just shared was from uh, an article on Chopra.com and on wakeupworld.com, there were seven spiritual awakening stages to just to see how I look up 
a couple different things to see how closely they correlate to see if it does this match up with experiences I've had in my own life or with people that I've known and loved or worked with. And in that article, it was talking about stage one and it does correlate unhappiness, despondency, feeling lost. So again, noticing that catalyst, I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't want to feel this way anymore. There must be something more for me. And shifting your perspective was the second stage, seeking answers and meaning, finding answers and experiencing breakthroughs, that soul searching that, you know, and one of the things they mentioned is a lot of spiritual bypassing can, can occur when you're doing that soul searching. So you might feel the sense of expansion as old patterns dissolve, which is what you were just saying, and as your true self begins to emerge. But make sure you keep tethered. And I think staying grounded is really important in this kind of work. So you're not completely forgetting who you are. You're just enhancing those aspects of yourself that you want to grow and evolve and develop. And that's why I think journaling about this and through this process is really helpful. Talking to someone that you can trust and and really relate to is helpful um, during this process. Taking that sacred time for yourself, as you mentioned before, is crucial. But also for me, taking breaks from being spiritual was really helpful. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like just watching silly shows on TV or just hanging out with my friends and and just reading fun fiction and not thinking about all these deep thoughts. That I think is really crucial to keeping yourself tethered. And I think that's really important for people who have made a conscious choice to have a spiritually based business or who their entire life revolves around um, whether you're a, a reader, a healer, a massage therapist, whatever, you know, fill in the blank kind of a thing. If your whole life revolves around this work, what you just said is so, so, so damn important to shut it off and just do something that that's carbon-based and normal as a person on the planet. It doesn't have to always be at that higher frequency. And you mentioned this earlier, which I love, is that you might feel, oh my gosh, I found it. This is great. And then feel completely lost again. It's, it's that on the tightrope feeling. I've got this. I'm awakening. Oh my goodness. And then there's, there's an ebb and flow with it. It's not, it's not just a consistent, here's my path and I'm going to march along with my little knapsack. No, it's going, those feelings are going to come and go and they're going to change and fluctuate, which is again, why you have to surrender to it, be patient and really watch for those signs, synchronicities and coincidences and follow them. What I noticed during my spiritual awakening as well was that my dream life intensified and increased. And so I think paying attention to your dreams and keeping a dream journal is really important. I, I agree. And any level of deeper inner work, which this is, uh, awakening spiritually is deep inner work. And you, you're going to rattle the cage a little bit. And it might have some, some, some old stuff come up that needs to be released. Inner child work, shadow work, uh, releasing that because you are stepping out of who you've been to, to embrace this new self or this new connection with spirit or however we want to label it. But the, I, I think the release part is a huge part of the, the inner work in order to be able to fully embrace the awakening. Oh, totally. And paying attention to your intuition is important, but the other 
really crucial aspect of your heightened intuition during the spiritual awakening is acting on it. So often we get intuitive nudges and feelings, but we don't act on them. And I have found that in general, but also during a spiritual awakening, when I act on my intuition, I'm able to then flow through this process much more smoothly. Right. Because then you're able to integrate it and expand it and bring in more joy. Mm-hmm. And, and there's that self-realization. So some symptoms of, of a spiritual awakening or that, uh, that it's not just emotional, but it can be psychological and sometimes even physical. So some common symptoms may be you feel as though your life is false or you feel like I'm not living my truth. And with that, you may crave meaning and purpose. You start to ask deeper questions. And this, this next one is, is huge because you might realize that a lot of what you've been taught is either feels like a falsehood or can no longer be your truth. We've talked about this with you know, someone who has been in a, in a specific religion and then they've chosen a spiritual path and, and had that conflict that has shown up. Or it may be you were the, the, the highly intuitive empath that was airdropped into the family and you've had to embrace that and say, I'm not like the rest of my biological family, but that doesn't make me less. So I, I think that's a biggie. Yeah, I do too. And what would you recommend for people that are just recognizing that? I think finding like-minded people, finding, and, and that doesn't have to be in your actual community. It might be reading uh, articles online. It might be finding an online group. It might be finding a podcast. It might be, as you said, going to a bookstore and going to that part of, or going on a, a internet a bookstore or whatever it is that works for you and see what's really drawing me in, what's going to raise... Equally, though, I'm, I'm really big on that integrity and authenticity thing. If you've put something on the back burner because someone else in your life doesn't understand it or doesn't believe it or doesn't get it as their own truth, I think sometimes going back to what really lights you up is going to be a huge springboard into an awakening. Yeah, because, I do too. I mean... You know, you shared something before we aired that you're doing now in your life that is bringing you back to your truest self and your whole energy changes, your whole attitude, your whole direction. There's a sense of hope that comes with that because it feels, it resonates and feels like, oh, this is what I came here to do. Yeah. Um, That sense of timelessness is when you know you've hit upon it. You know, when you're doing something you love and time just melts away. And you can't wait to do it again. That is just the best feeling. And what's interesting is, I think we're all having an enhanced spiritual awakening right now with the transition going on in the world. But equally as a collective, we are. So that that feeling of if it's not real and true and genuine, there's no room. And I've said that a lot. And if it's annoying anyone, I apologize. But it seems really important to me right now. But you may... Things might start to feel shallow or all of a sudden you want to chew your leg to get out of that trap that of a job or a situation. You're, you start to kind of look at your own negative habits and say, does this fit who I am anymore? Some people, there's been spikes of, of anxiety, depression, overwhelm. 
And I joked with someone the other day and I said, it's like we're all living in this uh, communal mood disorder with how the energies are in the world right now. Heightened sensitivity. But then all of these things, there's this, and this might be my Pollyanna and I don't care because I like it. Wanting to make the world a better place, wanting unity, wanting peace, wanting healing. Those are all these beautiful, beautiful byproducts of as each of us awaken as an individual. So I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. Because yeah, I am, it's unity. I am, it is. And I feel like, you know, one aspect of the spiritual awakening can be that sense of futility. Like what, what really does matter? If all these things I thought mattered and now I'm seeing that they don't, then what really does matter? And I was talking to a client last week who was really experiencing a lot of that and it was keeping her up at night. And I don't think it's when you're going through a spiritual awakening and you're trying to find your purpose, I don't think your purpose is to be the next Wayne Dyer, Oprah Winfrey, or Deepak Chopra. I really think at the end of that tunnel of the spiritual awakening is realizing that we are just a drop in the ocean, but that drop matters. And if we just help one person or a million people, it doesn't matter. What matters is that we are shining our light and we are trying to be a source of good in this world. It doesn't have to be a huge, big, powerful, amazing impact. It can just be helping one person or 10 people or a million people. Mm -hmm. Don't you think a lot of people feel this pressure to leave their mark on the world in some big, huge way after a spiritual awakening? Even take the spiritual awake, awakening out of the equation. And I think people are feeling that pressure. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. You know, there's a book I love. I've read many times um, by Dr. George Ritchie and it's about his near death experience. And he, he dies for several minutes and he believes he meets Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if it's Jesus or his higher self or his guide. I don't know, but Jesus in his near-death experience says to him, what have you done for me? And Dr. George Ritchie says, well, I became a doctor and I help people. I save lives. And Jesus said, no, you did that for yourself and the glory and the success that came with it. What have you done for me? And he says, well, I fought in a war. And he says, no, you, you did that for your country. And he keeps coming up with things and he's like, nope, you did and that has really stayed with me, Denise. And so sometimes when I'm laying in bed at night, I think, you know, what did I do for the universal life force of good today? And sometimes it's just smiling at someone. Sometimes it's just leaving a meal on someone's doorstep who's having a really stressful week. It doesn't have to be getting a medical degree or fighting in a war, you know? And as empaths, I think we have a unique ability to leave a special mark in those ways. You know, like you can be at the checkout counter and you notice that the person bagging your groceries looks kind of sad and you could just say something that puts a smile on their face. Like you're doing such a great job or gosh, your nails are absolutely beautiful. Anything in every moment and every day, we have an opportunity to leave a mark on the world. And I, I think if we remove that pressure from ourselves during a spiritual awakening of, oh, I have to do something big now that I understand all of this, I don't think it has to be big. Right. Things are the small things. Yes. And it's honoring your unique soul seed spark, but also honoring that all life is sacred. Everybody has that soul spark. 
And when you're awakening and you're sending that love, that healing, that prayer, that hope, or doing something kind, because personally, I feel better when I do that. I feel so much better if I can someone else feel like they're okay. Yeah, it's almost a selfish thing in a way, right? Because I, it I is. totally agree. Yeah, it, it pumps me up so much that it's it's almost not like a lovely gesture because it helps me probably more than it helps them. But if you think about that, I have to get a little you know, geeky for a minute, but if, we, if it's all energy and vibration and by us doing that, they're raising their, are we reflecting and absorbing their energy rising up? So then the two of it together rises everything up even more. So I, I do think it is self-serving, but it's also hugely, hugely helping the collective energy and the, and the, and it doesn't, you might live in the middle of Podunk, you might be in the middle of a city, you might be going through a lot, but sometimes I'll, I'll see people and I'll feel, well, I, I, this happens a lot to all of us, we'll feel someone else's pain and we want to do something because we felt that before. And if someone had reached out to us and said something kind or encouraging or hopeful, it, it would have made such a beautiful difference in our lives. Beautifully said. You know, every time someone orders from me, I put a quote on the package just so that as it's journeying from my doorstep to their doorstep, I hope that that quote can like uplift and inspire them. And I try to pick a new one each month. And so this one that I picked, I'm sure like the the male people are like, what what is this lady selling? But it's a it's a quote by Nietzsche, and it says, the individual has always had to struggle to keep from being overwhelmed by the tribe. If you try it, you will be lonely often and sometimes frightened, but no price is too high for the privilege of owning yourself. Oh, love, love, love. Yes. Isn't that really the goal of a spiritual awakening? It's... I, I know. I don't. I don't need to tattoo it on myself, but I do like it a lot. No, it's a little long <laughs> for that. <laughs> so, uh, as we wrap up, or should we wrap up, Denise? We should wrap up. Okay. Yes. So, as we wrap up, just think about how we're all on this road together, and the road we journey during this awakening time. It can often feel confusing and lonely, but as you continue forward, ever onward. You will soon discover that where you're heading is a beautiful place of truth, authenticity, and purpose. If we are all vibrating at our unique frequencies, yet all connected by one universal energy, then by the very law of resonance, when one of us elevates our consciousness, we all move forward to higher states of awareness. So as you wake up and turn your light on, the whole world gets brighter. So keep waking up, keep being the light, and keep sharing your light. Oh, lovely, lovely. Thank, Thank you guys you. so much for listening. Please remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.